Thanks for listening to the Summit Church Hazard podcast. Today we are wrapping up our series through the book of Revelation that we've been in for 12 weeks. We are in Revelation 21, 22. The beginning of all things is where we are today. So let's dive in. We are wrapping up a 12-week series through the book of Revelation today. Man, I've loved this. I don't know how y'all have felt about this. I've never preached the book of Revelation before, and so this has just been life-giving, challenging for me. Uh, If you've missed any of this, or you're like, man, this church went through Revelation, that sounds interesting to me. You can find it on social media, YouTube, Facebook. You can download our app. You can listen to the podcast. Honestly, you got to try to hide from these sermons, to be perfectly honest. But today we are wrapping it up, Revelation 21, 22. Now, if you would have been at Bethlehem 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born, what we celebrate at Christmas, you know, you've probably got a nativity scene in your house. Uh, it probably didn't look like that at all, to be perfectly honest, but you've got a frame of reference. If you would have been there when Jesus was born, you would have seen another world coming in to our world. That's what you would have seen. You would have seen another world coming into this world in the person of Jesus. But here's the issue. The issue, everybody on Facebook is that the only people who saw it were the people who were there. I mean, outside of, you know, King Herod and a few other people, most people had no idea that Jesus was being born in Bethlehem that night. Nobody saw it, but there was another world coming into this world. Well, at Summit, we we really lean into what's called Advent. Advent, or, you know, a lot of people, you know, the Christmas season, but we uh, really try to lean into this ancient practice that the church has of Advent season. Advent is a word that means waiting, and what that says is just like the Old Testament Israelites, they were waiting for Jesus to come the first time, and he came in Bethlehem. We are waiting for Jesus to come back. We're still in a season of Advent. Jesus came once. We celebrate that today. But Jesus is coming again. Here's going to be the difference when Jesus comes in the second Advent. When Jesus comes in the second Advent, everything is going to see a new world coming into this world. Now now notice, I didn't say everyone. I said everything is going to see a new world come into this world when Jesus Christ comes back. And we're going to see it today, get a picture of it in Revelation 21 and 22. Now, here's the deal. Uh, Our church, normally we don't do this, but man, we are about to read one of the most amazing chapters of the entire Bible, all right? And so here's what I want us to do. I want us, if you're able to, I want us to stand out of the reverence of reading this amazing chapter. If you're able to, stand up. If you don't have a Bible, the words are going to be on the screen, but we're going to read the whole chapter, Revelation 21. Here we go. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming, look at this word, down out of heaven from God 
prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. Look at these verses, man. You ought to love it. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Is anybody thankful for that? Right? Come on now. Come on. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit, will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and he showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down there it is again out of heaven from God it shone like the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel like a jasper clear as crystal it had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates on the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel there were three gates on the east three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length, as wide and high as it is long. The angel measured the wall using human measurements, and it was 144 cubits thick. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst, the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each gate made out of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written 
in the Lamb's book of life. And all God's people again said, amen, amen. You can be seated. Why is that in there? I mean, here you are, you got the book of Revelation. Now, if you're just tuning in, you're here for the first time, you're watching online, you've never watched it before. Revelation is written to seven letters in Asia Minor under persecution of the Roman Empire. They're being killed by Rome. They won't worship the emperor because Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. They've been cut off from the Roman economy. They're starving to death. They're dying. I mean, they are literally going through the worst persecution you can imagine. Why does this book end the way that it does? Why in the world, several months ago, did we plan out that we would go through the book of Revelation and on Sunday before Christmas, you're supposed to talk about Jesus and Mary in Bethlehem on the Sunday before Christmas. Why in the world are we here today? I think there's two reasons. And both of these reasons go together. I think there's two reasons why the Bible ends the way that it ends for those seven churches and for you and I here today, thousands of years later. Here's the first one. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. The reason this is in here and the Bible ends this way, Revelation ends this way, is because God wants you to have hope. God wants us to have hope. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, hope is real hard to come by nowadays, isn't it? Man, it's hard to find hope. Uh, sometimes it happened to me this week, actually. When I see people out, and maybe it's been somebody that I haven't seen in a long time, you know, because of the lockdown and the pandemic and just all kinds of things. Uh, it happened to me this week. If it happens to me, it's happened to me over and over the past two years. Somebody will say to me, Mark, I hope this ends soon. Because they don't know when it ends. That kind of hope is this hope that says, I hope that this ends soon, but I don't know when this ends. I don't know what that looks like. See, that's the hope that we're used to. The kind of hope that we're used to that we use is this wishy-washy, uncertain, it may or may not happen, probably won't kind of hope. So we say things like, well, I hope they show up on time. And we all know they've never shown up on time of day in their life, Lord help them, Right? Right? Or, or I hope this goes well. I hope, the, I hope that Christmas, when everybody gets together, goes well. We say stuff like that because we don't know how it's going to go. There's a 50-50 chance it could go good, it could go bad. Look at me, everybody online. That is not biblical hope. Biblical hope is not 50-50, could go either way, uncertainty. Biblical hope is fixed it is certain because biblical hope is anchored to something outside of our lives and our current situation. So you can be going through the worst situation you've ever been through in your life. You can literally be walking through a global pandemic, but still have hope because your hope as a follower of Jesus is not anchored in your situation. It is anchored in something outside of your situation that never changes. Does that make sense? And Revelation 21 and 22 wants to show you what that hope looks like. Revelation 21 and 22 wants to show you what that ultimate hope looks like. And listen to me. It is not heaven. You are not going to spend eternity in heaven. See, now I got everybody's attention. Everybody online, everybody's like, what, what? You're not. You're not going to spend 
Eternity in heaven. Let's talk for a second. See, if you're a follower of Jesus today, right now, if you die today, right now, the Bible says you will be absent from this body and present with the Lord. You will be where we saw Revelation 4 and 5. You will be in the throne room, in the presence of God. If this body dies right now, today, right now, today, my spirit will leave this body and it will go to where God is. That's heaven. It will be in the presence of God in heaven. But listen to me, followers of Jesus, you are not going to spend eternity in heaven as you think about it and as you would go there today if your life were to end right now. You say, what in the world is he talking about? Look at it again. Let's say, hey, let's let the Bible be the Bible. Look at it. Verse 1, Revelation 21. Then I saw a, look at the word, it's on the screen, somebody say it. A what? New heaven and a, and a new what? earth coming where down out of heaven to this world so, so there's a new heaven and there's a new earth, new earth and look at it it comes down out of heaven look at me the bible does not end with everything going up the bible ends with everything coming down the direction of the bible is not up it's down the direction of the whole Bible is not up. I can't wait to get out of here. Stinks to be you. Have you read how it ends? The direction of the Bible is not up. It's down. Genesis 1, God creates the Garden of Eden, puts humanity in it, and it says that God walked with them in the garden. What did he do? He came down to be with them. Then you fast forward a little bit and you see the tabernacle. The tabernacle was this portable tent. Israel set up and tore down right in the middle of their camp everywhere they went. They worshiped God in the tabernacle. The tabernacle was the presence of God on earth. What was it? It was where God had come down to be with his people. Then you fast forward in the tabernacle gives way to the temple. A, a, a portable tent gives way to a permanent building. The temple is where you go to worship God. It's where God's presence was on earth. God came down in the temple. Then you fast forward to the New Testament and you get Christmas and Jesus is Emmanuel. We sang it this morning. God what? You finish it. With us. He comes down. John 1.14 says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Why? He came down. And then Jesus lives and he dies and he rises again. Then Jesus ascends up to heaven. Now, I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. But when Jesus ascends to heaven, what does he and the Father do? The Son and the Father send the Spirit so that your body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God has come down individually on his sons and daughters and collectively as the church. Jesus told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on where? 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 Right here as it is in heaven. Revelation 22, 21 and 22 rather, is God answering that prayer. Revelation 21 and 22 is God answering that prayer. The kingdom coming down out of heaven to this earth and making all things new. God driving out sin, brokenness, death, pain, tears, and making all things new. See, Summit, listen, this is your hope. Man, you want to talk about hope, everybody online? You want to look for some hope? You want to have hope? Facebook, this is your hope. Resurrection is your hope. In fact, you could say it this way, that the church, we, followers of Jesus, we are people of the resurrection. 
So it's six days until Christmas, but it's 17 weeks till Easter. Thanks, Google, right? It really is. It's 17 weeks until Easter. Now think through here with me. Some of you, you need to stay tuned here. We're going to drop something on you, okay? On Easter, we celebrate what? All right. We celebrate the adults from Charlie Brown just took over. I don't know, right? What just happened? I'm glad we're talking about Easter so we can know what it is before we get there. Man, we got 17 weeks of work to do. On Easter, you celebrate the physical resurrection of Jesus. That Jesus Christ was dead and he physically got up out of the grave. Will you look at me for a second? Jesus Christ came back physically from the dead. He had a body. He was hungry right? He talked to people. The disciples saw him. So, so Jesus' glorified, resurrected body was connected to the body that they killed. In fact, Jesus rises again with a physical, real body. The scars from the crucifixion are still in his hands, still in his side, but they don't hurt anymore because you can't hurt Jesus anymore. Jesus physically comes back from the dead, and Revelation 21 and 22 is showing us that what happened to Jesus is going to happen to everything. Man, somebody on YouTube, I hope that somebody on YouTube, just amen to that. I feel you. I feel you right there. You just turned off a cat video and you just amen what I just now said. What happened to Jesus is going to happen to everything. All right? See, this is maybe new for you. Let's unpack this stuff. This is why the book of Acts chapter 2 says that the last day started when Jesus walked out of the grave. I don't need to watch the news and read the newspaper to see when the last day started. The last day started when Jesus Christ came back from the dead physically. And from that moment, God has been on a project of bringing dead things to life. This is why when the Bible talks about what it means for you and I to be saved, it doesn't simply say, hey, you're saved. No, the Bible says that you are a new creation. So what that means is this, this body is going to die. My body's going to die. This body is going to die, but there is going to be a resurrection of the dead. Listen, Jesus Christ defeated death. But he didn't defeat death because his ghost was floating around Jerusalem after the resurrection. No, Jesus beat death because they killed him and he raised his physical body back to life and he started walking around. Did you know that you beat death? Do you know how you beat death? You beat death because one day this body that you're in right now, it is going to be resurrected and you are going to have a glorified body. And we will be with Jesus we will be with Jesus right here in this earth, made new, with no brokenness, no sin, no pain, no tears. Jesus is coming back. Everything is going to see it. This is why Paul, Romans 8, says that all creation is groaning for Jesus to come back. Because Jesus is not going to get us out of here. Jesus made this world, declared it good. We said it last week. He is taking territory back from the enemy. And Jesus Christ is going to make this world new. That is where, that is where this is going. 
So resurrection is our future. This is where you're going today. We're going to be in real, physical, glorified bodies. It can't get sick anymore. You can't hurt it anymore. John says in 1 John chapter 2 that we will be like Jesus when he came back from the dead. I mean, Jesus back from the dead. The disciples are in a room. All the doors are locked and all the windows are shut. Jesus just walks through the walls there and just freaks the disciples out. And listen, if we get to do that in the new heavens and new earth, I am doing that to everybody. Just walking into your house. What's up? And just freaking you out. I get eternity to do that to every one of you. Right? I am going to do it too in the name of the Lord. Right? But we'll be like him physical body in a real place. Here, let's bring some things here together. Let's dig down deep and let's notice some things that God would want us to see about the new heavens and new earth. Did you notice in Revelation 21 that it says the foundations of the city have the names of the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles on it? Did you see that? Here's what that means. What that means is that this world, the world that you're in right now and the new world, the new heavens and new earth that come down out of the old heaven to this world, this world right now and the new world are connected. This world right now that we're in and the new world are connected. If you've got your Bible open, look at verse 24 in Revelation 21. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. So you've got these earthly rulers bringing things from this world into the new heavens and new earth. What's that mean? Here's what that means. It means that in the new heavens and new earth, there's going to be music. There's going to be art. Man, we're going to create new things. It means in the new heavens and new earth, we're going to have jobs, but jobs in the new heavens and new earth are not going to have the, the pain and the disappointment and the setback and the frustration that jobs do now. We're going to have things to do there. It is a brand new creation. And did you notice there that this city has gates, but you never shut them? You never have to lock the gate. Did you notice in verse 1, look at verse 1 again. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven, first earth that passed away. There was no longer any sea. Does God hate the beach? What's wrong with the ocean? John is doing something. Watch this. If you're taking notes, write this down. In the ancient world, which is where these seven churches were, in the ancient world, water represented chaos. This is why all over the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, water is something that you fear. Because it's dark, you can't tame it, who knows what's in there. This is why the second verse of the Bible, the first verse in the beginning was God, He created all things. Second verse of the Bible, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. What that says is Egypt, places like that, Egypt had gods of the water. No, 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 the real God is the God over the water. He can control the chaos. It's all over the Bible. Israelites walk through the water after God splits it. Who splits the water? It's wild. It's uncontrollable. Jesus walks on the water. Here's God saying there's no sea. What that means is that you and I are going to a place where there is no chaos at all. You don't need to lock the gates of the new heavens and new earth because there is nothing coming for you. There is no longer anything to be afraid of. There are no pandemics in the new heavens and new earth. There are no disappointments. There's no setbacks. Nothing is coming for you that's going to keep you up at night. There's not even a night to walk through. 
Because nothing is to be afraid of. We are going to a world where there's no chaos. See, God wants you to have hope. This is your hope. Resurrection. All things made new. You are going to be made new. This world is going to be made new. How can I know? Because there's an empty tomb in Jerusalem that Jesus walked out of. And what he did, he's going to do the same for you. That's how you know. That's how you know. Well, I don't feel it. You don't need to feel it. You can get a plane ticket and fly to Jerusalem and find the empty tomb and walk in. There's nobody there. There's nobody there. There's an empty tomb that says what he did here, he's going to do for all creation, including me. That's your hope. That's your hope. But see, watch, they go together. So God wants you to have hope. But here's the second thing, and we're done. The reason that this is in here and Revelation ends this way is because God wants us to endure. God wants you and I to endure. I don't think this is on the screen, so if you've got a Bible, you're going to need to look at it. Look at Revelation 22, verse uh, 16. Revelation 22, 16 says this. It says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony. Look at it. For the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. So what happens here is this is John saying exactly what he said in Revelation 1, that Revelation is written to the church. Revelation is written to the church of Jesus. It's written to these seven churches, not to freak them out or confuse them or scare them. It's written to churches who are literally dying under Rome. And they're saying, is Rome going to win? Is Caesar going to be Lord and Rome's the last kingdom standing? And John says, no, 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 no. Jesus is Lord. Jesus' kingdom is the last kingdom going to stand. So don't give up on following Jesus. This is for the church so that you would keep following Jesus. Thousands of years later, listen to me, the book of Revelation is not written so that you would spend your life going down conspiracy theory rabbit holes on YouTube. The book of Revelation is not written to freak you out. It's not written to use to scare lost people or people who are not Christians to get them saved. No, the book of Revelation is written to the church, telling the church, you need to keep running. This is all over the book of Revelation. Let me show it to you. I don't know if it's on the screen, but just let me give you a quick tour. Revelation chapter 1, verse 9, John says that he writes this to the church for their, listen to what he says, their patient endurance. Revelation chapter 2 and 3 are letters written to the seven churches. Every single one of those seven letters ends the exact same way with John saying to the one who is victorious, meaning do not quit running, do not let Rome take you out. Two times in Revelation 13.10 and in Revelation 14.12, it says this calls for patience. Say the word, everybody say it. Endurance. And three times in Revelation 22, you can read it on your own sometime this afternoon. Three times in Revelation 22, Jesus says, look, I am coming soon. Look, I am coming soon. Look, I am coming soon. Why does he say it three times? So that the church would keep running after him. So that the church of Jesus will keep seeking him and pursuing him so that you would endure. Man, I have seen so many people these past two years. Can you believe we've been in this for two years? Man, I've seen so many people the past two years who two years ago, man, they were growing in their faith. They were serving people. They were trying to tell people about Jesus and invite their friends to church. I mean, man, they were wanting the kingdom of God to come through their life. And I've seen so many people the past two years quit. 
Hey, where's so-and-so? What happened to so-and-so, Mark? Mark, have you heard from so-and-so? Where are they? I don't know. Man, I've seen so many people these past two years trade in hope for Jesus for political party. And so if you don't agree with me about this issue or this side, then man, I'm, I'm done with you. Or I've seen so many people these past 24 months just fall into just things that they, they've got going on in their lives and they don't think anybody knows about it and their hearts are becoming hardened and they're being filled with bitterness, being filled with cynicism, being filled with anger. Or so many people the past two years have just said, you know what, I don't need God as much as I thought I did. I'm doing pretty good. I don't need God like I thought I did two years ago. I don't need spiritual things and the things of God the way that I thought I did. I'm doing pretty good. And church, the book of Revelation has literally told us for 12 weeks that behind all of that is a demonic spirit that cannot hurt Jesus, but is hell-bent, literally hell-bent on doing everything it can to get you to quit so that the kingdom will not come through your life. That behind all of it is a strategy from Satan just to get you to give up. And listen to me, and everybody watching online, listen to me for a second. You can show up every week, but you've still given up. Just because you're here doesn't mean you're still running. Just because you're watching and you watch it every week doesn't mean you're running. What's it mean to endure? Here's what it means to endure. It just means to keep going. That's all it means. To endure just means to keep going. Philippians 3.12, I love this verse. Look at it, it's on the screen. Philippians 3.12, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Do you see that? Paul says, man, Jesus took hold of me, so I'm going to press on after him. If you're taking notes, write this down. We don't run to be saved. We run because we are. We don't run to be saved. Well, I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to obey so that I can get to heaven. That's not how the book ends. You don't work your way in. He came down because I can't work my way up. But man, when the kingdom of God breaks into your life, it wakes up a new taste and hunger inside of you so that you want to seek that kingdom. You want to run after that kingdom. We don't run after Jesus to be saved. We run because we are saved. And Jesus has saved us, Summit, to seek him, to fall deeper in love with him, and to let the kingdom of God come through our lives. Some of you, you need to endure in hope today. Over the past two years, somebody here, you got a diagnosis and it took the wind out of your sails. Things started happening in your marriage. Your kids are going in a direction and you have no idea what to do and how to change things. Or you look at the world and you've just become so bitter and cynical. And you need to be told today, endure, the kingdom of God is coming. Some of you here today, you're watching online, you need to endure in holiness. You need to endure in holiness. You literally need to say today, I belong to Jesus. You literally need to say it today. Maybe the past two years, you just lost your mind and forgot that and all of a sudden started letting stuff into your life. There's somebody here, there's somebody online. You've let some things into your life and you think you've got a handle on it. Your wife doesn't know about it. Your husband doesn't. Your kids don't. Your church doesn't. And you're convinced you're going to get away with it. Here's the thing. God loves you too much to not let your sin find you out. And it is better... To bring stuff in the darkness out of the light through repentance than for things in the darkness to be forced out and then it hurts you, God's kingdom, and everything that you love. 
And you need to endure in holiness. Some of you just need to endure this morning because these past two, uh, two years, 24 months, you got caught up in going after the same stuff that everybody else is going after. We turn over the rocks in your life and there's no heinous, horrible sin, but you are going after what every single other person in the world is after. More money, more square footage, more followers online, more comfort, more peace, more worldly security, and you are going after all of these things and your hearts become numb towards the things of God. You have become bored with Jesus and you need to be told to endure today. Listen, your life is not going as, listen, nothing wrong with it, but your life is not going to more square footage or more money that could, quote, solve all your problems. Your, your life is going a thousand miles an hour to new creation, to Jesus coming back. And so listen, until he comes back, run. Summit, look at me, we're done. Jesus Christ bought you to run. Man, I used this illustration a long time ago, several years ago, and as a preacher, you just kind of think once the, once the illustration gets so old, you can tell it again like you told it the first time. I'm going to do it right now. Years ago, I mean, a long time ago, I was running this race uh, in Lexington at the Bluegrass 10,000. They do it every July the 4th, and they started this race later in the morning. Usually, they try to start it really early, but it's July the 4th weekend, so real hot, really sunny outside. They start it later in the morning, so the temperature is already warmer than they anticipated. And at mile three, they completely ran out of water for all the runners. So you've got thousands of people running through the downtown streets of Lexington, dehydrating, hallucinating, mass hysteria. It was insane. And so, so literally, like I get, I get to the end of the race. I got about a mile left to go. And man, I'm thirsty. It's hot. I can feel it. And so I say to myself, I'm just going to quit and walk. It's just a mile. I, I'm just going to quit and walk. And you know how you... Are, you're running and your stride gets slower and slower because you're transitioning from running to walking. Like, that's what I was doing. I was doing that. And so I was just about to start walking. And out of nowhere, this guy runs up to me and says, don't quit. And I'm like, what'd you say? <laughs> I didn't say anything. I was dying of thirst, man. I was, <laughs> right. And I didn't quit. I was like, well, if I quit, he's going to think I'm a, I don't know what he's going to think. So. And I promise you for the next mile, that guy, that guy ran that race right next to me, and he would just say to me over and over, you're almost there. You're going to make it. Don't quit. Hey, you see the finish line? We're going to do this together. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't give up. And we crossed the finish line, and he looked at me and said, good job. Walked off. To this day, I have no idea who he is. See, this book ends, verse 17, look at it, 22, 17. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. doesn't say the Spirit and the Bride say, quit. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who's thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take a free gift of the water of life. And some of you, you're here, you're watching online, and you just needed to hear today, the church say, don't quit. Don't quit. I know it's been a hard two years, and I know it's been crazy, and maybe your friends have quit. Maybe the people that you went to church quit, and you're like, man, is it still worth it? Can I tell you, he's worth it? Can I tell you today, if you've forgotten that Jesus Christ is the prize, and Jesus is the treasure, 
And man, when you see him, you know what you'll think? It was all worth it. Thank God I didn't quit. Man, I thought about quitting every day. Would have been easier sometimes. But I went to church, and, and that one dude told me that story about how that stranger told him to keep running, and he told me to run, and so I kept running, and that got me through seven days, and then somebody else said it. And man, I'm looking at him. Man, thank God I didn't quit. See, some of you, you're watching, you're here. You just needed to hear the church tell you don't quit. So can I tell you today, don't quit. I don't know when this ends. I don't know when things go back to normal. But here's what I know. Jesus Christ is coming back. And there is a kingdom. And there is a kingdom coming and it is going to make all things new. So can I just say to you today, those of you, you're on your last leg. You've got no air left in your lungs. You are so thirsty and you want the race to end. Can I just tell you today, don't quit. But not only do you need to hear the church say, don't quit. You need to hear the Spirit say it. Man, I was thinking about this this morning, and I was praying through what we were going to talk about today, and I just felt the Holy Spirit remind me and say to me, Mark, Jesus is the kind of God that endures. Did you know that Jesus is enduring with you? See, the good news about this race we're talking about running, the Christian race is not a race that you run by sucking it up and trying real hard in your own effort. That's not how you run. That's a good way to crash and burn. You don't run that way. You run the Christian race, Hebrews says, by fixing your eyes on Jesus. Fixing your eyes on Jesus. Running the race with him. And the entire time, listen to me, he is enduring with you. The Spirit wants to give you strength to keep going. The Spirit wants to give you the faith to keep running. So today, you needed to hear the church and the Spirit say, keep coming to Jesus. Just keep showing up, even though it looks like most of the world's walking away from him and the world's telling you it doesn't matter anymore. Keep following him, even if everybody you, even if everybody you know has quit following him. Keep coming after Jesus, because if you are thirsty, Jesus is the fountain of living water. And so today, this time of response is simply this. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, and you are about to quit, can we do this for our time of response? Our time of response is just this today. If you're about to quit, man, I would love for you to get up out of your seat in just a minute. Come up. We want to pray over you, and we just want to pray that today you get a fresh drink of the fountain of living water. Just to keep going, man. That's it. Others of you, you're here, you're watching online, and you're not a Christian. You're a good person. You believe in God, but listen to me, that doesn't cut it. If it did, Jesus didn't need to come down. We could go up, but he came down because we can't go up. I can't save myself. Today, can I just tell you, if you've never heard it or it's been a while, if you're here today, teenagers, watch this. If you're not a Christian, God loves you. Adults, God loves you. And Jesus Christ invites you to this city that he's building. And the entrance has been paid by his blood. And all you've got to do is receive it. Now listen, if you receive it, I promise, all your problems are not going to go away. But I promise if you receive it, your life will be changed forever. And one day you will find yourself on resurrected streets with resurrected eyes, 
staring at a resurrected Savior. You know, there were so many things that we left out of the book of Revelation that I feel like we could have talked about. So odds are pretty good that at least in our podcast, it gives us another avenue to keep talking about some things in the book of Revelation, some things that I want to bring up. I'd love to talk some more. So we'll probably do another episode about the new heavens and new earth because we had people, I had people come up to me after Sunday to say that was new. The idea that heaven comes down. The Bible doesn't end with everything going up. The Bible ends with everything coming down. And the Bible doesn't end with the end of everything. It ends with the new beginning. And so I hope that this has been a journey for you, however long you've been on this, this 12 weeks. I hope this has been a journey for you, for our church, where we've rediscovered who we are in Christ, that there is a world behind the world that we see. We need to clearly identify our enemy. There's an enemy behind the enemy that we see. Right? Our enemy's not flesh and blood. And Jesus is coming back. The kingdom is coming. And and until the kingdom comes, the kingdom is to come through our lives. And so, so man, what an awesome way to uh, wrap it up Sunday before Christmas. And so we are waiting for the second advent. We long for the second advent, the kingdom to come. And so, hey, no matter who you are, where you're at, hope you have a great Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening to the Summit Hazard Podcast. Uh, next year, first of January, first Sunday of January, we're going to kick off a new series called The Way of Jesus. And it connects to this series. There's no in-person service December 26th. We are having an online worship experience with Summit Whitesburg, so look for that on our Facebook, YouTube pages. Uh, You'll see more about that as the week goes along. So make sure to share that, watch that. We will be back with in-person services the first Sunday of January, regular time, 9.30, 11 o'clock. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Have a Merry Christmas.